2: LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role in a given month. Over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place with LinkedIn. You can hire
3: professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. So Dan, why are we here? Uh, I don't know. I got lost. Was I supposed to watch some
2: sort of video or something? Yeah, dude. It's Documentary December. Oh, yeah. We're good. All right. The topic is Missing 411 with our special guest,
1: Tack. Roll it. You are listening to the Beyond Terrestrial Podcast. Your one-stop shop for the outstanding, the unconventional, and the downright strange. Strap in because the boys are about to take a wild ride. I'm Folkmaster B, setting up that tee for the duo of dumb foolery. Your hosts, Dan and Lee. I believe in aliens. I mean, in an infinitely growing universe,
4: why would we be the only living species? Bigfoot, Etsy, all that stuff, it's got to be real. How are we to say that we're the only ones? It's just ignorant. I think aliens are not only from other planets, but they're time travelers. what's up guys
2: (laughs) long time no see hey welcome welcome guys beyonders we are here with our friend tack from a very brady podcast how's it going tack it's going
4: good and uh another fellow fourth hander
2: (laughs) yes nice to have you on um If you're new to the show, Beyonders, I am one half of your hosting duo, Dan Martson. I'm coming to you just down from the crossroads where Robert Johnson made his infamous deal with the devil. With me,
3: as always, Lee Errett. Lee? Hey, guys. I'm coming to you from my girlfriend's spare bedroom today. Um, I'm Lee (laughs) Errett. And uh, the Haunted Barn is... well. I mean, I I needed a break from our um, from our resident uh, our resident uh, fun guy, um, so I I just I needed a break. Did so. Funkmaster <laughs> B chase you out of the haunted barn uh, for tonight? Yes, um, I walked into the wow. room and was like, "Nope," and turned around and left. Y- he really should put like a sock on the door or something like that. Would that would have <laughs> been nice? A sock on the door. He could have turned the recording light on. I don't like. i just didn't need to walk in on that
2: wow that's cool anyways tack you are coming to us from the space coast of florida very cool
3: space coast (laughs) space coast coast to coast
2: (laughs) yep i
4: live down here in the space coast florida where all the rocket launches are happening and the space
2: shuttle program used to be and all that Good times. Very awesome. Very awesome. Now, you do a show on the Fourth Hand Network um, mm-hmm. called A Very Brady Podcast, yep. and it's like a rewatch show, so we thought it was perfect mm-hmm. for Documentary December. <laughs> We're just going to watch movies and then talk about them. <laughs>
4: That's exactly what we do, Jimmy and I. We uh, we uh, rewatch episodes of The Brady Bunch, and we break down the bunch one episode at a time. So...
3: Very cool How many more Very episodes cool. you got left, Tack?
4: Oh man, we're just about to finish up season two So it's uh, we have three more seasons left So we still got a couple oh. of years more of uh, some content But there's also the Very Brady movies that came out There's also They also had a, what is that, variety show that lasted a really short time So the, we have some content, plus the movies that came out in the 90s We talked about doing those as well, so Yes, dude. those would be good.
2: Those will be like good, like special episodes that you can sprinkle yeah, in. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, very for sure. cool. Yeah. Very cool. Well, the subject of today's documentary is not nearly as groovy as The Brady Bunch. In <laughs> fact, um, it's a bit of a downer. Um, we watched Missing 411, based on the book by David Polites. Now, Lee, you had suggested missing 411 as a topic before. Have you uh, read the book or was this like your first foray into it? You
3: know, I, I have not read the book. I learned about David Pilates um, through another podcast. Uh, I'm not. I really don't want to speak out of turn here, but I'm pretty sure it was Expanded Perspectives podcast out of Texas. Um, they. It did an uh-huh. interview with him, and in that interview, they uh, they discussed his book, and it really hit home with me the amount of people that are disappearing in our national parks, and there's not there's not a lot of like oversight. Like you would think that there would be some sort of database, right? That the National Park Service would want some sort of uh, information that they could go to and be like, Oh no, it's not that many people or, or, Oh yeah, we may have a problem. Um, but instead they just kind of let it like you get scattered reports and David Pilates really like, he's got a history in, um, in like law enforcement and he really delved in and Uh got, got a lot of different reports. Now, um, this one, not so in depth. It's not quite. He picked a few of them that were semi-related and went after those. And Dan, I'm not going to lie. Dan, this, this one was a downer. This one. Was- yeah. Big time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> by the way, just to throw something oh. out there, Dan, you said this morning you were like, yes, by the way, I do my research. I started this video this morning. Um, you said this morning, hey, you can find it on YouTube for free with commercials. So I went and rented it on Amazon for three ninety nine because I didn't want to deal with commercials. <laughs> Dude, okay. I, uh. I got a point tack, did you watch it with commercials
2: or without? I watch it with commercials because I'm cheap. <laughs> Dude, they would throw you off so bad because you're watching this documentary <laughs> yes. and it's like the the kids went missing without a trace vanished into thin air and then the next thing you know it's like a tide commercial or something like that (laughs) like tide gets your clothes really clean and it just (laughs) totally takes you out of it so beyonders if you want to watch this uh probably better to do what lee did and pay three four bucks (laughs)
3: it it Um, was it was four bucks on amazon yeah that's a little more than i'd like but hey when i searched it out on amazon there is another missing 411 movie it's missing 411 the hunted um, Yeah, there's a follow-up, yeah. Yeah, which, that one mm-hmm. may be interesting to me. I, I'm hoping that one's more about, about the adults that they talk about, or that Mr. Palladis talks so, about.
2: <laughs> so, Tack, we brought you in for this one. Um, yeah. I really thought it was going to be like, you know, the I had heard the premise of the book before. I was expecting, like, hunters and hikers and, you know, mm-hmm. adults go to missing in national forest. That's what I thought the stories were gonna be. Yeah. No, like <laughs> no this like all about kids who go missing. <laughs> one in uh, one in and particular. I know, Yeah, it, it does focus in on one case and we'll get to that. Yeah. Um but I don't know, Tac, had you heard about this at all before? Um had you been exposed to this idea of like people just going missing in national parks are you much of an outdoorsman? I mean, what what do you got? <laughs> um, I don't. I never heard about these
4: cases in particular before. Um, and I'm. I love true crime. I watch I listen to tons of true crime podcasts. I love to watch documentaries. But I have not heard of any of these cases before. And as far as them just vanishing like that in this documentary, it's crazy. And no, I am not mm-hmm. outdoorsy in any way whatsoever. I mean, <laughs> roughing it for me is like having no Wi-Fi. So. <laughs> All right.
1: Um,
2: um yeah i but, i think there's a big segment of the country tack that's like that and um <laughs> it it's very it's going to be very hard to relate this to people who have never gone camping before right <laughs> you know <laughs> what i mean
4: <laughs> i've never been <laughs> camping as an adult when i was a kid i've gone a few times but now i just uh, I don't know. there's bugs out there there's you know there's no
2: wi-fi there,
4: you know know where to try. Right, it's phone. just not that fun. <laughs>
2: <laughs> dude, have you seen the little like solar battery packs that they have now? Yeah, I mean, yeah,
3: how dude, good you got to get those
4: work. I, don't know. I got a I cheap br- one. once. I don't once know. I...
3: I got a cheap one once. It was awful. Of course, in fairness, it was like twelve bucks a Big Lots. So, um... <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. So we will um, we will get into this documentary. We'll start breaking it down, uh, but first. Let's hear a little bit from our friends at 4th
0: Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the waste vessel, the Black Swirl, its ongoing mission to explore strange news stories, to seek out new laughs and new absurdity. To boldly go where no sci fi podcast has gone before. Welcome to Close Encounters of the Slurred Kind.
3: Welcome back, Beyonders. We have been talking about a documentary, uh, for Missing 411. Um we just came back from a break, and Dan had one more thing he wanted to discuss with us. Uh, Dan, what, what do we need to talk about again? Like, there's one more thing that—it's uh, just slipping my mind. Yeah, so, Lee, we watched a documentary. It was
2: really good. Um, the music in it was really good. Um, we'll talk about all of this when we break it down. But it made me think of our friends over at Simple Equations Media in sunny Las Vegas, Nevada— They are a full-service audio-video production company. They can take an idea, like a book you've written, want to turn it into a documentary? They can walk you through pre-production. They can shoot it. They can do the post-production. They can do music, um, all kinds of stuff. If you're a garage band trying to do a music video, if you've got a big project for work, you're trying to break into film or TV, The guys over at Simple Equations Media have your back. They make us sound good. So, I mean, they can make you sound good.
3: Yes, they do. Um, They do a pretty good job because half the time I just throw random um, shit at the wall and see what sticks. So, yeah, you don't say.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Well, now that we've got the the business handled tack, let's get into missing 411. (laughs) Now, this. And I and I was really serious when I was talking about like the music and stuff, because mm-hmm. it starts with some opening credits. Did you did you notice this? Text? the opening credits have like yep. gone away. That's not something that happens a lot anymore. <laughs>
4: Yeah, when it first came on I was like, Is this a movie? I thought this was a documentary, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's <laughs> I know, got I like the, the little use miniatures. of miniatures. <laughs> yeah, the use of miniatures and stuff like that. I'm like I thought, I thought that maybe was that was cool. gonna be an ongoing theme. Yeah, I thought it was gonna be an ongoing theme throughout the whole thing. Like whenever they were setting a scene they would show like this miniature thing, but it was just in the intro, but it was a cool intro for Doc.
2: Yeah, and uh the music very ominous. Lee, um what what kind of mood? What were you feeling when you were watching these miniatures set up in little
3: camping scenes? You know, it was really strange because you're right. Like the little miniatures was kind of cute, right? And I was like, "Oh, look at that!" But the music was so ominous. Like the whole, the whole, the whole show, the whole you know documentary. Very, uh, they did a very good job of setting the tone, and that tone they wanted you to to feel was pretty much terror. Like it was I mean, not like really scary, but you you were in a oh bad things are happening.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um so props to whoever did the music and the opening credits. Um I thought that was a really cool little thing. I think a lot of movies could benefit from opening credits these days to like set a mood. Before you used to go to a movie there was like an overture in the opening credits. And you kind of got an idea about what you were getting yourself into, um, hmm. but not anymore. That's all gone away. It just Star Wars was one of the first ones to really do away with that, where it's just like, for boom, sure, the movie's happening.
4: Yeah, like so. opening credits these days, like especially with like independent films, you won't really see uh, too many opening credits because all those opening credits are big studio films because those are contracted. So people like mm-hmm. have contracts like I, my name, name needs, needs to be the first thing that's seen or this person here or the director, you know, those are all in a contract. If I was to go out, which I do filmmaking as well. So if I go out and I shoot a, a short film, chances are mine probably won't have any opening credits in it, except like my logo in the beginning, you know, and then stuff like that. But as far as right. like starring and all that, that won't be till the end. Really right. Well, plus
2: they cost money, right? <laughs> I mean, they cost <laughs> Well, not money me because I do it all myself.
4: Credit.
2: so <laughs> um, You know, you have to shoot some kind of B-roll like these miniatures or whatever. And you <laughs> yeah. have to put the music in and you have to get it all set. I mean, that's not that's – not, Free, so for independent (laughs) film I could see why that would make a lot of sense.
3: Um, I have to tell you though, for like Tack said that he thought it was gonna be a theme. That would have been a cool transition feature. Like when they transition from different thing to different thing, just having those little miniatures set up in the next scene kind of thing, that'd be kind of cool. Oh yeah, maybe. Like
2: instead of the black. Well, we'll talk about the transitions and stuff. So let's let's get into like the meat of it, and then we'll talk about the transitions and stuff that happens. Um, The documentary starts off in Idaho Falls, Idaho, which is actually uh, around one of our listener bases. So that's pretty interesting. Mm. And the case they focus in on is the case of Dior Coons Jr. Um, Little Dior went missing July 10th, 2015 um, from the Salmon Chalice National Forest near Lador, Idaho, Lador has a population of 105 people that's on the sign (laughs) that they show out there I mean it's small it's out there uh in the wilderness so (laughs) um anyways Dior Coons was camping with his uh his father Dior Senior uh his fiance Jessica her grandpa Bob and Bob's friend Isaac Um, Now, the adults, the adults and little Dior. I know what you're (laughs) laughing at. Yeah. Dior senior and his wife uh, and little Dior had gone to town into Lador to buy some feminine products, which (laughs) TMI, but whatever. Um, And they bought some candy and other supplies. Right. They're camping. Um, They come back. And Isaac and Bob had been out fishing in this tiny little creek. And they had caught a couple fish. Um, And Dior Jr. and his wife were like, no way you caught fish in that tiny ass creek. And he's like, well, I'll show you where we got them. They went out to go look at the fish in the creek. And little Dior was following them. And they said, well, you want to go back with grandpa? Like, grandpa's got the candy, whatever. The kid was like, yeah, no, yeah, no. The kid's like two years old. He mm-hmm. turns around and goes back with his grandpa, and that's the last time anybody sees him. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was pretty freaky. Um, and they go into a lot more details about this case. Um, but, like, first take, Lee, you lived over in Idaho Falls, right? Um, what, did you th- what was your just very first impression?
3: That's really hard, Dan. And here's the reason why. I did live over there. I actually have had a fairly close relationship with a person that went to school with the, the two parents. Um, hmm. Oh, really? So, yes. Um, so for me, I've known about this story since it came out. Um, and I've known a lot of the details since it came out. So if you're asking me first impression from the show... Um, I'm having a really yeah, hard time because yeah, it, it was clouded very heavily from um, my overall impression of the case previously. Uh, but all right, so you you <laughs> came in you came in
2: with a lot of bias, is what you're saying already. Uh, yeah,
3: I, I hate to say it, but I did come in with a lot of bias. So I'll leave. All
2: right, I'll leave well, the
3: first impression. Well, to let's.
2: <laughs> yeah, let's get tax take. What do you think, man? <laughs> Are you asking me what do I think happened? Well, just, just what was your first impression of the case? Um, um, they, they, it, they pretty much lay out what happened. The kid goes missing. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, what, what struck you early on about this?
4: Well, one thing that really shocked me is like Grandpa. All right, like he said, he took his eye off him for what do you say ten minutes off a two-year-old? Yeah, that is. I mean. If you have kids out there, you can't take your eyes off of a two year old for even like one minute. And then it just, it seems like he just didn't really care. He kept calling, referring to the child as the kid through the whole thing. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know the kid did this, the kid did that, you know, like he, he really didn't seem like he cared too much about
2: what is it? His great grandchild. Yeah. It would have been his great grandson. Yeah.
4: So I don't know. That just seems shady to me. I don't know. I mean, yeah, but it's, it's interesting for sure. I mean, it doesn't sound like the parents were involved or had anything to do with it. At first you kind of think the buddy Isaac is kind of involved somehow just because he's seems really shady, but I don't know if that was (laughs) just the documentary, just boosting that up and trying to get that in your head. I don't know, but
3: well, the private investigator mentions at one point with Isaac that he did not participate in any of the search did like refuse to talk to anybody for the majority of the time? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's shady. All right. Well, we're Sorry. We're,
2: we're getting beyond our, first impressions. We're get beyond our first impressions. I
3: <laughs> apologize. But, but
2: um, yeah. So it's it's a crazy story. Um, and I was actually living in Southern Idaho when this happened. So this was like national news. We we're probably, um, I don't know, like an hour and a half away from Idaho Falls. Um, so yeah, that checks like, out. We, we heard a lot about it. Um, well, and probably much further away from Lador, Ladore's way out there. <laughs> um, uh, you but. may be
3: closer to Lador than Idaho falls. It's kind of North. No,
2: you'd have to take all these back-ass roads. Like the, like the road up to this campground, they talk about it <laughs> is like, um, you know, uh, a rock path essentially. Um, And you have to go very slow over these big rocks and washouts and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And you can navigate it um, and you can do it pretty easily in like a a pickup or any kind of high clearance vehicle. But if you were out there in like a passenger car, you could have a really rough time. Um, Hmm. And honestly, like it's slow going over these rocks. So um, where they were is way out in the sticks and to drive out to the from where I was, you'd have to go like around craters of the moon. So that's why it takes longer than to <laughs> just take the freeway to Idaho Falls. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> that
3: makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah.
2: So so they do a cut um in between like the Dior Coons Jr. case is like the through story of this documentary. And they splice in some other cases. And when they do the cuts, they use an interview from David Palides with uh, Coast to Coast AM. So, what did you guys think of the Coast to Coast cut? Tack, we'll start with you. Um, I thought that was
4: <laughs> kind of weird and random. Like when, because he came on kind of early. Like they threw the case at, in early on in the dock, and they're like, "Okay, here's the case." Now let's cut. All of a sudden, now you're hearing the Coast to Coast interview, and you're like. And then they mentioned aliens. I'm like, okay, so this is going to be about aliens then. Is that what they're going <laughs> to discuss about? He was a- abducted by aliens? You know, and I thought yeah. maybe this is the direction the whole documentary was going in. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. All right. But then it's like never mentioned again. So I really didn't see the whole point of that cut at all for the whole documentary.
2: Yeah, Lee, your your thoughts. I mean, Coast to Coast is like. Big in the world of Fortiana, but uh, <laughs> I don't know about if it really translates to regular people. Lee, what what do you think?
3: So for me, that was the first instance. Just like just like Tax said, that was the first instance where I was like, "Oh, we are going towards Fortiana," because the way that I heard about um Mr. P- or David Pallady's book was uh that it. It tries to keep an open mind and yes it could be something Fortian or it could be something more down to down to earth and and real so I thought that that was like indicating hey we're gonna take this in a direction right and we're gonna we're gonna gonna guide this towards the you know let's have some Fortian thought processes but let's not Uh, but then it doesn't like check out like that after that like that's really the only tease to Fortiana that happens at all
2: Yeah, I I think there's an interview later on with a lady um, and some other suggestions that they do. Um, But it just... For me, the coast-to-coast cut doesn't work because it almost takes away some of the legitimacy of the doc, right? Um, If you're doing this show and you're like, people are going missing and it's very serious and there's something going on, but then you go to, like, you know... George George Norrie or uh, you know, Nap or one of those guys, and you're like, Hey, this could be aliens, well now people aren't gonna connect the same way. That's fair. You know what I mean? <laughs> um Yeah. Like that's that's the difference between it being like a sixty minutes sort of thing and a Kickstarter crowdfunded documentary, <laughs> in, in my right. mind. <laughs> um yeah. so so the next case is the case of Bobby Bisup. Uh, He went missing. Now, now, again, these cases are supposed to be related, but this kid went missing August 15th, 1958. <laughs> <laughs> this is way, way before. Um, from Rocky Mountain National Park, a place called Camp St. Malo, which was like a Catholic kids' summer camp. Um. One of the counselors went to go uh, get Bobby, who was, like, hard of hearing um, and had, like, these big old hearing aids in. Uh, the kid was out fishing in a creek. He went to get him, said, hey, it's dinner time. They were walking down the mountain back to the camp. And when the counselor turned around, the kid was gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so, very very strange case
3: lee uh what did you think about this second case you know it is a strange case however have, have either of you ever played red dead redemption i feel like dan has tack have you played red dead For oh yeah sure oh, okay yeah. i'm just yeah. just making sure you ever been attacked by a mountain lion in red dead redemption out of effing nowhere <laughs> yeah uh-huh Uh, I don't think I actually have, but I know what happened. I got my ass whooped by a couple mountain lions, like just straight up out of nowhere. Um, So anyway, I guess what I'm getting at is that was the feeling I kind of got with that one. Um, It's a weird case, but the child is already not able to hear very well. He's been off alone for quite a little while. A camp counselor... Um from the reenactment i'm I'm assuming it's relatively accurate to the uh, to the story that camp counselor never comes within like i don't know twenty feet of the child right so he just mm-hmm. yells at the kid from a distance um kid starts heading back um I hate to say this mountain lion realizing his food thing that he's been tracking starting to get away and starting to go towards safety um just grabs him and runs like
2: yeah i mean maybe um tack what did you what did you think about this second case like it it ends up his body gets found way further up the mountain when Hmm. if the kid did get lost all he had to do was really walk downhill to camp following um, the well-defined trail yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) so what what did you think about um like what happened and Yeah, this one was, uh,
4: you know, this one was really weird. Like how quickly it just disappeared, and I didn't really like the way they shot this these uh, reenactment scenes because the the way they shot it, it really made it look like the camp counselor was shady. Just of the shots, like behind his head, and like they didn't really show his face, and he, and the way he walks up to the kid and stops and lights a cigarette. You know, it's like it made (laughs) him look like he was about to like. Rape this boy. (laughs) I was like, What is happening? You know and so (laughs) And then, you know, but then it was just like super innocent. It was like, Hey, lunchtime and they're like, Okay, cool and then he turns around and and starts to head back and then looks back and the kid's gone. Like that's
2: it's weird. Well, uh, I think uh, 1958 is, like, pre-surgeon general's warning, so, like, everyone just smoked. They all just thought oh, that yeah, was I think, okay. I think
4: the kid was smoking, too, and he was, like, trying to put a warm on his head.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing that was strange, and maybe this is just me, typically if I call a kid, like, to me, like, to go back for dinner or something, and I want to make sure they're coming back with me, I wait for them to catch up to me before I start walking away. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah. Like any normal person would.
2: <laughs> right. Like, right. It, well, it seems like, it seems like to me he calls the kid from down the trail. Mm-hmm. He, he sees the kid acknowledge him. He sees the kid start getting his fishing stuff together to come out. Uh, and then he just turns around and walks off without like waiting for the kid to catch up to him. Um, mm-hmm. and then, uh, what was it I think it was uh years later they found like his hearing aids way up the mountain,
3: yeah, they found um, like tooth or something, yeah,
2: oh, I think it was just the next year, the very next year at camp, yeah. uh, some folks went up there and found his hearing aids, um but i'm like dude once once he's gone, you know, um who knows where how his remains could get spread, right,
3: yeah, hmm
2: so like a year's time they they make it like he walked all the way up there and that's where he finally died um i find that highly unlikely so
3: i agree with um, that now there's a story later on we won't get into it yet but that one's really strange because i i get the feeling that that did happen like that child just walked all over the fucking place (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, and this is a common theme amongst these cases, tack like it's always like their body was found here where people mm-hmm. had already searched or their body was found mm-hmm. here which is way ways away. Um on yeah, there's I don't know, it's once once a person's passed away, who who knows what animals do. I mean, and especially if it
3: was an animal in the first place. Um, right, I, I just feel you know, like I uh, feel like mountain lions automatically go for the throat. Um, that mountain lion just grabs him by the throat; he can't scream out because it's cutting off his airway or what have you. And then they just drags him up the mountain to eat.
4: Yeah, I've seen. Have you guys seen that one video of the guy that fell into like a tiger cage, and then he got pretty much eaten by a tiger? Mm-hmm. A really disturbing video. Did you see this video? I think it was like no, somewhere I like in know. Indonesia or something
3: sounds about right okay (laughs) well this guy
4: like not to go into too many gruesome details but this guy falls into this tiger cage at a zoo and they're all trying to get him out but there's a tiger right in his face and he's like just hovering down crouched in a corner trying to kind of get keep the tiger away from but the tiger is almost playing with him a little bit but then all of a sudden out of nowhere he literally just grabs the dude by his head in his mouth and carries him to the back And begins to eat him And as soon as he grabbed his Top of his head with his mouth The guy just like went completely limp And just was carried by his head All the way to the back
2: Yeah and now actually that's kind of interesting Because some of the Stories that I've seen about Mountain lion attacks on mm-hmm. like Cyclists and joggers And all kinds of stuff A lot of times it seems like they go for uh, For your dome so yeah um i don't know we'll we'll see this is one of the common theories amongst these cases that there's some kind of animal involvement so we'll keep going through them and we'll keep that in mind Mm -hmm. um so at this point they introduce us to one other case and they cut back to dior coons jr and talk about the search efforts um they had 200 plus searchers out there by lodore um, they had vehicles. They had guys on horseback. They had a helicopter equipped with FLIR. I mean, they had tons of folks looking for this kid. And of course, they suspected animal involvement. Um, they even suspected potentially like eagles because right. this kid was small <laughs> enough he could have been picked up by an
3: eagle. Um, so they were looking. Guys, if at if I have to everything. go violently, I want to be taken out by an eagle like that. Like I, <laughs> I mean I guess they'd have up. to be Lord of the Rings eagles at this point but still like
4: <laughs> Yeah, I mean it is pretty American and badass. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. Um so so yeah, like they talked about animal involvement and what could potentially um take him, you know, a bear, a mountain lion, an eagle. Um the creek was a big um you know, object of their investigations. There were a lot of little trees and snags all through this creek. Um, So if he had fallen in and got swept under, he could get stuck under a snag and drown very easily. Um, Even though it was a very small creek. Yeah, Um,
3: I was going to say, I mean, I can see that he could get, like he could possibly drown in the creek. I just don't see him being swept far away in that creek. Like at least in the, in the, views that they gave us of it doesn't look like that would be possible like I, he wouldn't move very far from where he landed tack what do you think about the
2: creek or the animals
4: well first of all i think you guys are mispronouncing it they pronounce it crick in the documentary
2: yeah that is true it is uh, okay that that's uh, not that yeah, i know the, what true. the difference
4: is but i say creek but um but you're right like the, in any of the creeks that they showed none of them really looked that deep or i mean it seems like you could walk through all of them i mean Mm -hmm. maybe i missed something but yeah i I mean
2: for a two-year-old maybe like you could see how a two-year-old could fall and drown in just about any amount of water right yeah Um, yeah but i'm saying swept away far
3: like that's where i'm Yeah. yeah
2: yeah i don't know you're right that's a very good point like would it actually take him away i'm not sure um so, of course, um, with some of the natural explanations that they were looking for, they were also looking for human involvement. And uh, naturally, the people who they would suspect are the four adults who were there. Mm-hmm. Um, so they interviewed the parents. Um, in their recreation of this, they, th- um, they think the kid was maybe about 50 yards away from his dad and maybe out of sight for like the grandpa said for like 10 minutes and then that's a long
4: time that is a very (laughs) long time
2: (laughs) for a two-year-old oh you know what um that's a good point i we just took um our daughter out last night we went to uh dinner with some friends at one of those fancy malls you know where like people drive through and there's like little open spaces and fountains and stuff. You know how they have these malls these days. Um, <laughs> and we let her run around the fountain and stuff. Dude, this kid would have just taken off. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, if you stopped watching her for two minutes, she'd be around the corner. And then who the hell knows. Right. right? Um, and I think what's interesting about these cases is because they happen out in the woods um, we, we don't suspect things like if this case happened in a town, everyone would say he was abducted, Mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. so I wonder like how many of these cases of missing kids in town, are they all abductions or, you know, is there something else going on? Cause you can't tell me what's happening to these kids out in the woods is exclusive to the woods. Like the same thing happens in town. I'm sure.
4: Well, yeah, you, like some mountain man somewhere right. <laughs> abducting kids.
2: Bigfoot, guys. Bigfoot.
3: Oh, <laughs> oh, big,
4: he, oh, shit, I didn't even think about he that. He pops in that. from
3: his interdimensional hideout, grabs the kid, <laughs> takes him up the mountain, throws him out, says, find your way back home, kid. And then typically the kid dies. Sometimes they don't, but typically they do.
2: <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. It's it's just weird. Like, like I said... um you see cases that happen in town all the time. Some kid goes missing. Um, I just wonder about the kind of the rural urban disconnect in these stories. It kind of intrigues me. Um, so now they're interviewing these parents. They're talking about how long the kids out of sight. And this is the first suggestion that maybe his, his parents had been negligent. Um, Lee, you came in with some bias already. Uh, that's just
3: like your quick thoughts. Um, I don't know if it's full negligence. Um, I do feel like if I had a two year old, the last thing I would do would be, hey, go back to your grandpa if grandpa is out of sight of me. Uh huh. Um, Mm. Unless I can see the grandpa that I'm sending the child to, I would not be sending the child to that grandpa until I knew where the grandpa was specifically. Well, well, I I do want to point out one thing, Lee. You can
2: see the picnic table in the campsite from where they were down at the creek.
0: Mm
3: -hmm. That's fair. So
2: it's like it is a little ways away, but it's really not that far away. So it's i i don't know about the negligence i i couldn't say uh, but that's something they put into our mind when they go to the next story which is actually i think the saddest story uh in the documentary um For sure. it's uh, is that crater jared, uh no no this oh. was that jared atadero um he went missing october 22nd 1999 in uh near the comanche peak wilderness Uh, he was only three years old. Now his family worked at the, uh, the Podre Canyon Resort, um, which seems like a cool kind of gig, you know, uh, you got campers going by, you're out near the woods. Yeah, you're running the store all day, but, um, it, you know, it's in a cool little spot. Um, and his dad, Alan had let him go with a, uh with a church singles group he let his sister and jared go with this church singles group they were supposed to go to a fish hatchery but instead they actually went further up the road to the big south trail to the trailhead there and uh they started taking a walk uh up along the river and as they walk, they start to spread out this is something anyone who's been on a hike will tell you you know If you go with a big group, people start to spread out. Um, Mm -hmm. Jared was, like, way ahead because he's three years old and loaded up with energy. Uh, And there was someone from the church group kind of up there with him. But he ran up out of sight. And after a few minutes, she was like, I haven't seen the kid. And that was it. Now, years Mm -hmm. later, uh, some of his clothes and, like, the top part of his skull... Um and like a shoe were found about 550 feet up this uh in this rock slope. Uh it was kind of like a talus slope or like a boulder field. It, a boulder field is probably a better description. Um and to get up there you would really have to like scramble on your hands and uh feet to climb up there. It's a pretty tough climb for an adult. So how did this kid's remains get there when there was no blood on his clothes, no animal hairs, no discernible evidence of how he got up there? Um, tack, what did you think about this one? This Mm. one got me because they interviewed his dad and like, now I'm a parent. You're (coughs) a parent. Lee's a parent. Like this one was Mm. rough.
4: Yeah. This one was really sad. Um, I really felt for this father, man. Um, Yeah, this one was just as weird too. And like another thing, I thought was a little bit morbid: how his dad had his skull, like. Yes,
2: I thought that was weird too. But like, I was on the one hand, I was like, "Oh gosh, that is really weird to have." And on the other hand, I'm like, "Well, that's all that's left, you know." Uh, so, so like, I got it, but I also I did think it was really creepy too. (laughs) (laughs) Right, but uh,
4: like. He's not buying this whole animal attack thing he's not going for it he's like he wants answers, and I feel for him, and I feel bad and I wish he could have some real closure I mean he's got closure as far as yes, his son has passed away, but there's no real answers, and that's what's the saddest part of it
2: yeah,
3: Lee, your thoughts okay um i I agree it is a very sad statement uh the I don't know if I should say this joke, but I think I'm going to anyway. Dan, I really thought you were going somewhere very morbid with that last like little bit where you were like, you know, one part of me's like, wow, that's really morbid, but then another part of me's like, and I thought you were going to say that would make a great candy jar. <laughs> oh, I'm so that's terrible. terrible. I deserve oh, to be kicked. No. Oh, man man, I'm sorry. Uh. I'm sorry, everybody. Um, no, I, I, I hate to say it, but I go back again to my theory of what's going on. Um, with the children, I don't know about adults necessarily, but I believe with children, in a lot of cases, it's some sort of animal attack, even if there's not as much evidence as you might think. Um, from my experience with how... Um, well, I guess it's not really experience, but from my days of watching Animal Planet, uh, big cats tend to strangle to death or that they don't quite eat them immediately. Um, so did this child get picked up by a mountain lion yet again and taken up the mountain? I, I think possibly. I, and I hate to be that person, but the blood is the blood is concerning. I and, and I can't explain the blood but there's where i fall
2: so so lee i'm i'm kind of with you like it would make sense um, the way a lot of big cats hunt is they will kill something um, and then a lot of times they take it someplace to bury it um, or take it someplace to eat safely like jaguars yeah, will yeah, climb yeah. a tree and and like i said they'll they will uh mountain lions will like bury a kill so they can come back to it later um so if they're scared off or if they just eat enough that they're full and they're gonna come back later um they'll bury a kill um but his his clothes are found out in the open uh the shoes are in a spot where they look absolutely pristine um (laughs) It, it's like they had just been. War- um, I think. I think what had happened is in this boulder field, the shoe was in a spot where uh, it was shady most of the time, so it didn't get sun bleached. Um, so mm-hmm. I think that might have been part of the factors there. But the no blood on the clothes is the weirdest part to me, Tack. I think mm-hmm. that is like how would, how would a kid. You know, you know, I Did wonder... Did they ever say they I found the shirt maybe, or
3: jacket of this child? Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Yeah, he had he had the yeah. shirt. Yeah, he had the shirt. Okay, because I remember the pants, and with the pants that that was the that was the little blue sweatpants, wasn't it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the pants, you know, they were inside out, and it was like, well, a mountain lion wouldn't do this. Uh, well, if a mountain lion's dragging you up the side of a mountain, and they happen to your pants happen to catch on a rock. I could see that possibly happening that way.
2: Yeah. I wonder, you know, I honestly wonder if um, something, something happened. The kid got far enough ahead. People didn't see him. He climbed up there on his own and then fell uh, and then died of exposure. Um, Hmm. That could be possible, too.
3: I could see him potentially climbing up there on his own. I mean, he's three years old, but some kids climb like crazy. Dude, it's insane. Yeah, and I think I think the documentary does a
2: little bit of a disservice to how crazy kids can be when they yes. get going off on their own. Tack, I mean, you know, you've seen kids like they have. <laughs> some of them have energy all day.
4: Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. This one was really, it was a mystery. <laughs> I'm yeah, not sure this- if I buy the animal one either.
2: So I don't know. I think I think this one is the best case. well, this one and uh, one of one of the really old ones are some of the best cases for some kind of supernatural intervention because there's just really no answer. but again, I think this is like a human thing to try and fill in the answer, right? We don't know what happened, so it must be something we don't understand. Um, very like god of the gaps sort of thing um just plug it in with whatever you believe in interdimensional theories (laughs) aliens whatever um so who knows it's a weird one so we will cut back to idaho falls and more missing 411 cases after this quick break
0: Hello! This is Michael from Pennyhaven. What is Pennyhaven, you ask? Well, Pennyhaven is my YouTube channel. On this channel, I share with the viewer some awesome coins from my collection and the new ones I pick up every week. I also have a bunch of informative videos that show you what to look for in your own pocket so you can realize the worth above face value in circulated money. I'll teach you how you can get silver coins for free or at face value. I'll even tell you how you can get a free piece of gold in the mail. Absolutely free and beautiful. So come on over, subscribe, watch my playlist of informational videos or anything that catches your eye. Send me an email to find out how to get some free gold and start getting the most out of your money. So please, go to YouTube.com and search for Penny Haven. That's P-E-N-N-Y-H-A-V-E-N on YouTube.
2: All right, we are back with more Missing 411 here on the Beyond Terrestrial podcast. Now, Lee, we've talked about um, a couple of different cases. And we're going to cut back to Idaho Falls. And uh, they use like a lot of shots of Idaho Falls, the falls, uh, the water tower, the library, where, before we get back into the dock Where's your favorite
3: place in Idaho Falls Oh um, Probably down by the river uh, It's a beautiful little green um, Walkway To tell you the truth I don't remember that water tower That they like sp- scan over As they're doing like the opening shots there I don't remember it <laughs> I didn't know it was there I was like where'd that thing come from <laughs> Dude, it's, it's right downtown I've <laughs> never noticed it before. Never noticed it um, before. So
2: my my wife and I are huge fans of the Museum of Idaho in Idaho Falls. Uh they just did a big expansion like last year, the year before. So really cool. Um and then the Celt downtown. Uh it's like an Irish bar. Oh, you were talking um, about stuff um, but like that. the food's really good. Yeah, dude. The Guinness Brownie. Guinness Brownie, get it. Alright. Um, now tack um yep. i remember from a very brady podcast you had mentioned you had spent some time in the united states navy
4: <laughs> i did yeah eight years in the, the navy yes
2: <laughs> in, in uh submarines right yes yep submarines very cool very tight space right <laughs> You're, you seem like a taller guy tack it was that no rough? not at all
4: no i'm no but it doesn't really matter like i'm only like five eight um Oh, okay. But uh, it's like it depends on what class of submarine you're on, depending on how big it is. So you have like the fast attacks, which are a little smaller and tighter, right? And then you have the tridents, which are much bigger. Um, they're more of like a quote Cadillac style, and uh, oh, there's I see. spaces that the the overheads are pretty high, and you know it's not as cramped as you would think.
2: So you so you got to ride on like a boomer sub,
4: right? Well, the, yeah, so they call them Tridents. Like, the boomers class is like the older version of the Tridents.
2: Oh, I see. I see.
4: So, yeah, then they came out with Trident class.
2: Um, uh, the SSBNs, the Ohio class is what it was. So Very cool. Very cool. So I don't know if you know, but Idaho Falls is right next to the Idaho National Laboratory, which is a nuclear uh, power research facility. Nice. Um and actually, the very first nuclear reactor that ever made usable electricity was built in Idaho. Oh, that's awesome. Yes it is the it is the precursor to the Nautilus and our entire nuclear fleet. So, which is interesting, um, considering
3: cool. how many like Idaho is one of the biggest states for um, hydroelectric power, yet. <laughs> we were also the uh, the first state to produce a a, a nuclear nuclear yeah, yeah. um <laughs> they have they have that very
2: first reactor it's a decommissioned now um but it's like a museum and you can go visit it <laughs> um and they have some really cool stuff um outside they have these giant jet engines they tried to make nuclear powered jet engines in the 50s um <laughs> and uh That's not a good idea for a lot of reasons. (laughs) Um, But the idea was like a submarine, you could have a bomber that could just fly continuously and always be ready to drop its nukes. Um, But planes crash a lot more than submarines sink. So (laughs) it was a poor choice. They didn't go through with that. But um, this nuclear reactor that they built, um, it's like experimental breeder reactor number one. Um, they had no blueprints. It was so top secret that the guys who built it, uh, would get with the contractors. If they had to write something down, they would do it on like a napkin or a piece of paper and then mm-hmm. they burn it. <laughs> so right. it's, it's really cool. Um, but anyways, we're going to go back to Idaho falls and they kind of interview grandpa a little bit and talk with him and his friend isaac this is where we find out isaac is a weirdo <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, right so uh, weird. that's putting it mildly him right? and uh, both <laughs> of his teeth <laughs> right <laughs> he's got <laughs> he's got very uh, like a picket fence going on <laughs> behind his lips <laughs> yeah. um, and but you know what even if he's a weirdo I just didn't get the uh, child murderer vibe off of him. I don't know about you guys. What do you
0: think?
3: I don't know. For me, there was a certain point. I think it's when he's, like, shirtless, hiding behind his door, trying to say that he doesn't want to do an interview, (laughs) and the guy is still (laughs) interviewing him. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I'm assuming he was just shirtless. I'm hoping he was just shirtless, but (laughs) 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 it was
1: so fucking awkward. (laughs) That yes, moment I was kind
3: of like, uh, he's maybe but the more I heard is more I saw of him, the more I was like, uh, I think he's just like really weird. Like a little creepy, little I, I don't think he'd be murdering the child. He might be doing something else, but I don't think he'd be murdering the child.
2: Tack, what what do you think?
3: He definitely
4: gave off a a creepy vibe but I'm not sure if that was the documentary doing that. And plus they also mentioned that what he had, he was a sexual predator at one time too.
2: Yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah. He had, I a, mean, of course he had some kind of conviction.
4: Yeah. They didn't say what, and there's like a huge spectrum when it comes to sexual predator, <laughs> you know, it could be yeah, anything from just saying something to raping children and they're all kind of treated equally. Um, And uh, so we don't really know what he did. Accidentally
3: Um, pee in front of a Girl Scout troop and you're going to get labeled. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) You have to register (laughs) the rest
4: of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Once you're
2: on the list, you're on the list. Yeah. mm
4: -hmm. (laughs) Did you know a fun fact about the list, by the way? I don't know if you guys knew this. Sorry to jump off topic real quick, but the woman that actually pushed for that registering list or registering sex offenders and all that kind of thing, the woman that started that whole movement, actually now wants to retract it and wants to get rid of it now, because there is no, it's all ones and zeros when it comes to these offenses. So just like you said, somebody could just be pissing somewhere and not realize what they're doing are now registered sex offenders versus the, it's the same as the guy who raped three children. And, you know, and there's like 10 year olds that are registered sex offenders that are on this list on their list now. And, it's there needs to be more
2: uh... it's like it's like a scarlet letter there's no nuance to it it's just (laughs) boom out there um so yeah it's it's weird Isaac's a weirdo but I think this is one of the points that they bring up uh where they're talking about grandpa his health is failing his Mm. memory might not be all there so when he says Dior was out of sight for 10 minutes Does he mean 10 minutes? Does he mean two (laughs) minutes? Does he mean 20 minutes? Like... Did he even uh, know Dior was there? Yeah. He says he (laughs) did.
4: Like, I thought Grandpa was a lot shadier than Isaac was.
2: Yeah, I think Grandpa's story is very, very thin. So, Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. Maybe he... Maybe it is something like the private investigator stated that he thought grandpa went back inside the camper and wasn't yeah. watching the kid. And maybe he feels guilty about that um, and just doesn't want to say, yeah. yeah, I I took my eyes off him and the kid walked off and it's my fault. Um,
4: yeah. Also, I just once again, I didn't like how he kept referring to the to Dior as the kid. It
2: just didn't yeah. seem it, it didn't seem right. I don't know.
4: Mm-hmm. It's weird.
2: Well, well, we we cut from this case to the case of Samuel Belky, uh, who went missing October sixth, two thousand six, 2006, pretty recently, uh, in Crater Lake, Oregon. Now, this case, honestly, I think might be the most cut and dry of the ones that are presented. Um, he was with his dad. They went to a overlook um, where you could see the lake on the road. He went across the road, ran up a hill, and wouldn't come back. His dad was like, come back, come back, went up to go get him. He had gone over that ridge, and they never saw him again. Um, but while, So they called out a search, and the, that night, two feet of snow fell at Crater Lake. Um, and so that, uh, that was it, and they were, never found him. Um, but this gets to some of the points we had started to think about about the National Park Service and its failures, um, about how maybe they were too slow to react, to call in the other authorities, um, and how there is no uh, – how it seems like there is no overarching uh, procedure, database, or knowledge of all of these cases that happen uh in the national parks. Um Lee, what do you, what did you think because this gets into kind of the the meat of the of the book, of its themes.
3: Yeah, so my initial thoughts on this is you're right. It's a pretty cut and dry case. Uh child went over the ridge, disappeared, was he grabbed by something, did he just fall down into like a crevice and not able to be found. Um, very cut and dry in my opinion. Uh, get covered up by snow during the night. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, it was even if the child had just ran off and they just couldn't find him because he was playing hide and seek being like crazy. Um, he would have still like yeah he would have disappeared overnight. So that to me gets me kind of like that one was probably my biggest one because that dad like literally that's exactly what happened. That child uh. As far as I was concerned, fell to his death. Um, the uh, The national parks that really links up with uh, David Pilate's book that's probably the closest link to the to what the book is trying to highlight, and the book is trying to highlight that there isn't a very good uh, structure on either how nor like need you like you said like there is no procedure at national parks they usually call in the county sheriff um which is okay mm-hmm. but they are a national park service they are like they have people there that can arrest people like if you're doing something illegal in a national park a park ranger is capable of arresting you if they they wanted to um right right so why wouldn't they they have a better procedure with the park rangers why wouldn't they have a database um at the national parks or at least at park level right like maybe not have it linked up but at park level they would like you would think they would but they don't they don't really Mm -hmm. yeah so so lee i mean
2: we we said procedure a couple times there i just want to cut in really quick um like we worked at at a retail store before like, they have procedures for when people gets lost, get lost. I'm sure the National Park Service has a procedure. But the question is, is it too slow? And maybe does it need to be improved? Right? Um, now, Tack, you've worked in government, right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. You know how these bureaucracies can go sometimes. What What are your thoughts on... Like the National Park Service, the idea of uh, the need for this database—I uh, mean, I don't know—go go for it. What what do you think? Um, I don't I don't understand why
4: they wouldn't have a database for that. Even like we used at a park level, they should have something. Even if it's just like just a file folder in the filing cabinet, you know, just like hey, another kid missing over in this area, you know. I feel like it's super mm. important to have, and why wouldn't you keep track of that kind of stuff?
3: yeah it's like it's like they just think the the other agencies are going to take care of it maybe
2: well and especially like going into the future you know if the kid is isn't found immediately um you'd want to have some kind of reference for Mm -hmm. you know maybe potentially finding remains later on
4: for sure definitely or even seeing some sort of connection within like different cases you know like holy crap I think we might be dealing with a serial killer
2: here, or whatever. Right, right. Um, but I just wonder because uh, so many times, like the county sheriff, tends to be in charge of search and rescue operations in a given area. Um, maybe it's maybe it's like jurisdictional. You know, these are crimes that are probably reported to the individual states. Um, you could probably find a list of missing people in your state very quickly. Um, yeah. But the National Park Service is spread out, um, and and again, like not all of these case, cases deal with the Park Service. Um, some of them deal with the Forest Service. Some of them might have to deal with uh, the BLM. Right? Uh, you're talking about a bunch of different agencies. Uh, Yeah, they all fall under the Department of the Interior, but do you want them to keep a a list of everyone who goes missing from all federal ground across the country? Well, that seems (laughs) uh, like a lot. I don't know. And it seems like they might not all be connected, right? Um, You know, having an idea of who goes missing in your state there might be some correlation there that you can try and figure out. But across such a broad area um, and such diverse terrain, I almost don't see how you could create any type of correlation there. Hmm. Yeah. So, so I'm not sure about the value of the list. I don't know. Um, when it comes to speeding up response, and improving procedure now that i could get behind that that would make some sense
3: well and that list would allow that like you could commute like they could basically speak with each other hey this is what worked in this case this is what worked in this case this is information about something that happened yeah. earlier um 10 years ago in this same national park that the county sheriff who is heading the investigation may find important they may not know about that right off the right off hand and the and you say organizing that okay so it's all under the Department of Interior okay um, I I don't know if you know this but I'm able to upload a file to a um, to a, a drive and and on that file it has information that you need Dan and you go on and you pull it off um, so I'm not trying to sound like a smart ass but I feel like computer technology has made that much easier for them to do. It should not be that difficult for them to have a program to log this information um, and and have it be interagency. It doesn't need to be just like it it doesn't need to be just related to national parks, but let's say the Department of interior interagency um Information, or you you know what I mean, crime information, or something like that, or disappearance information. Mm -hmm. Um, They could have that be interagency. They could give that uh, that access to the FBI. I think too many times, um, government bureaucracy gets in the way of information getting to the people that need it in order to solve issues. Mm -hmm. So. Sorry, I'm off my soapbox that's, now. Yeah, that's that's uh, let's uh, <laughs> let's move on because
2: this is this is like uh, you could really get into the weeds about like government bureaucracy and the operation of these agencies and how they should communicate with one each other. Blah 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 blah. Um, all we know is there are clearly some issues, and fixing them uh, might be more difficult than all of us think because we don't work in these agencies. So (laughs) um but we cut we cut back to the Dior Coons Jr. case and tack this is where we get into the weeds where like they start talking (laughs) Facebook conspiracies and (laughs) uh, you know the public perception of the parents like, you know, because they didn't do enough interviews, all of a sudden they're suspicious. Um, and who the hell knows what random people put up on Facebook? I mean, you've seen social media these days, Tack. What What did you think <laughs> mm-hmm. about the this section, the, like the Facebook response to the Dior Coons Jr. case?
4: <laughs> well, I mean, it's not surprising <laughs> because everybody's going to think automatically, well, the parents did it and they're murderers. And, you know, we're all, you know, we're... We've all seen the Casey Anthony stuff. Um And just in the wake of that, people just now automatically assume the parents murdered their child and they're trying to cover it up, whether it was an accident or whatever. And I personally don't know. Uh, I don't I mean, it seems like Lee knows a little bit more about these uh, this family than I would.
2: Yeah, Lee, this might be a good time for your biases to come out in the Facebook conspiracy section.
3: Oh the Facebook conspiracy section um, yeah the the person that i knew or that i was in relation with uh honestly believed that the parents killed the child um based off of her history with the family <clears throat> she felt that um the uh the fam or that those parents were not the type of people to accept the fact that they're parents, I guess it would be. Oh, really? Hmm. And I'm not, I'm not venturing a guess at what I necessarily think. Um, other than what I saw didn't seem typical. Um, just from the way they were reacting, um, even the way they were reacting in this, like, and maybe they were in this documentary and and maybe the documentary was trying to shade it one way. Um, But just some of the things that were going on, like in the documentary specifically talking about that at one point, the friend of the family is talking and she gets interrupted in her interview by Dior, who's saying that, Jess, the mother, is upset because they're doing an interview with the friend. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And, and, and interrupts the whole thing and basically shuts the interview down. Um, and for me, uh, it just doesn't seem like something somebody who was not hiding something would react. Um, especially th- that way. Now, is there another? Is there another reason? Did Grandpa make a mistake, and now the family is trying to keep it as much in house as possible? Maybe. Um, hmm.
2: I I kind of like that explanation. Um, because we, of the way I think-
3: the way his granddaughter reacted. Like, his granddaughter was mad because friends of the family were um, doing interviews with people, right? Uh-huh. And then after that situation, all of a sudden, now they're doing interviews. Now I don't know when the interviews occurred, so it could have been prior or after. But as far as chronologically in the in the story or in this documentary goes, you don't see the interview with the parents until after this interruption happens. Um so that could be the documentary leading us in a direction, but I, I tend to feel that yeah. they they probably were then later willing to do the interview. So I th- I think you're right. Um, now
2: an interesting point about chronology: uh, David Politi's, uh first missing four one one books because it's a whole series of books uh, came out in 2012. This documentary mm. came out in 2016. And the Dior Coons Jr. case was 2015. So... Like, when they were shooting this... um, This had... This was still very recent. Um, Yeah. So... And it's not really... I don't think as researched... And as historical... As a lot of these other cases... From the books. So... I think there's a weird disconnect there... Um, it's good for the documentary to relate it to something that's recent because people know about it. Um, But is it, is it that good for like the theme of the documentary that there might be something supernatural happening out in the woods? I I don't (laughs) think so. I don't know if this case was the one to pick. Right. Um, Yeah. I
3: kind of agree with that. It's hard to, it's hard to not come in with that, into that one with bias or with thought processes of it being um it's more of a true crime crime story than a um than a hey maybe there's something weird going on out there. So.
2: Yeah. So Tack, really quick, you were on the East Coast when all of this went down. Um yeah. ha- you hadn't heard about this case at all, I take it.
4: No, never did.
2: Yeah. Mm-mm. Um so, so the obviously then parents- it wasn't national news. Uh, well no the thing is the, <laughs> it may have been but the parents were offered to do like good morning america um and a bunch of these national shows and they didn't do them um they did no. one interview right after it had happened with like the east idaho news um and they interviewed the reporters who did that and uh, a lot of good stuff came out there um from that local reporting but I think what happened was they did that one interview, and then the Facebook people came out of the woodwork saying she did it, and they didn't want to do anymore, right? Uh, <laughs> they're grieving parents. Um, once you get that, that bad reaction from the internet, it's, it's just going to be rough um and you yep. know tack we're creators we're putting out stuff on the internet all the time um, we mm-hmm. get it like people on the internet kind of suck sometimes
4: <laughs> yeah uh, i can definitely see like <clears throat> the problems they were having you know and then freaking out but it de- it did i mean what was that her mother or his mother it was her mother right that was being
2: interviewed it yeah. was like her friend
4: no 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 not like in the out in the garage or whatever but like her mother was also being interviewed oh in the okay documentary. yeah and she was even saying like i don't know why they won't do more stories if it, you know if it was my kid i'd want it all over the country i'd want everybody knowing about it you know people going to walmart need to hear like know who what my you know grandson's face looks like or whatever yeah. um and that's just pretty bad like even like her own mother was kind of calling her out on it too so i don't know i mean i kind of get it
2: but kind of don't too but it's kind of like damned if you do damned if you don't situation. yeah exactly um and the private detective who was working this case hired by the family he withdrew his support um for the parents um because they wouldn't do more press um so it's not just the documentary it's not just people around um People who are professionals who were associated with it were like, you know what? You guys aren't really handling this right. Um, and so maybe there's something to that. Uh, I know when we were down in southern Idaho, like when that private eye left, that was like a big news story. So um, that was yeah. a big deal. So so the last uh, case that is not Dior Coons related is the case of Keith Parkins. Uh, He went missing April 10th, 1952 in Ritter, Oregon. He was two years old. They were out on a central Oregon cattle ranch. And he was playing with his brothers out by the barn when he walked off. He was missing for 19 hours. Was found over eight miles as the crow flies away from uh, the farm. And uh, he was face down in a snowbank, but still alive, like miraculously lived. Mm-hmm. Um, this case uh, might be one of the better examples. If you were trying to make a supernatural case, uh, this one seems pretty weird. Uh, Tack, what do you think? It Could this have been some kind of abduction some kind of interdimensional rift something where this kid got way further away from the house than he should have been um i didn't
4: really catch that vibe of it being anything supernatural other than i mean it was really far distance i mean that we had our buddy what lester stroud was on the in the documentary talking about you know the distance because he did the walk that the little kid actually did and uh was it like um eight miles one one leg of it was eight miles right yeah something like that and um it's impressive and that's also an amazing story i love that the documentary threw this story in there to have like a there's a happy ending one too that you know but it is a kid being that came up missing in the woods but also was found alive and you know i would say alive and well but you know he was a little malnourished or whatever and um but i it was weird but i didn't catch any paranormal vibes from it or anything unless i missed something did i miss something
2: no like uh lee you're you're more into this interdimensional stuff um and i know you you love your a good alien story (laughs) um well, I do too. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how how do you think this, like, this relates to the some kind of supernatural abduction or whatever theory?
3: You know, I'm with TAC. They didn't. They, they kept it kind of vague. I don't think that they intentionally, or they they wanted it to go towards supernatural. But I can see where that supernatural vibe could have came from. Um for me it's just strange that when you look at the map that they put up it shows that he would have like walked one direction for hypothetical speaking for um he walked southeast um and ended up in a cow pasture and they found evidence of him in that cow pasture but then they found him actually northeast of the cabin meaning he walked south and then back up north um and that means he walked south a couple miles maybe and then turned around and walked up walked upright or walked north
2: yeah i think i think in the map Lee, it looks like he goes kind of like northeast at an angle and then due west like down a river yeah. or something like that um Anyway, but yeah, you're right. He like switches directions. Yeah. Anyway, and he
3: backtracks. It. And when they say it's eight mile, like where he was found was eight miles as the crow flies. That means he 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 basically dog legged that. That's not an eight mile. That's not an eight yeah. mile walk. He walked 12, maybe 15 miles. Um. Right. And you can't walk straight through the hills either.
2: I mean, there's trees and mm-hmm. valleys mm-hmm. and ravines and all kinds of stuff up through there.
3: Mm hmm. So for me, that is kind of strange. Now, is that something supernatural? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, the one thing that kind of caught, caught me off guard is he implied when they actually interviewed the young or the, the man that was that young boy that he, when they asked him, he didn't know anything about it. Like, even though he was like two years old at the time, you would have think thought he would have said at least something right and he implied that he didn't he didn't remember how he got there um and he claimed that the cat scratched him um so that's a little weird uh to me it is a little strange like how he would move i mean i guess 15 miles isn't a crazy number to move in 19 hours but in the cold in the dark um through barbed wire fences because um, they found evidence of him, like walking through a barbed wire fence. Uh-huh. It it seems a little mm-hmm. strange to me. It it really does seem a little yeah. strange. Um, but did he walk it? So maybe. So Lee, I think
2: this is, I think this case is the best evidence for something supernatural, and the best evidence to refute it. Right? Because yeah. there is. <laughs> because there is evidence like he was going through barbed wire fence like there's physical evidence of his motion around this area Um, and and at one point he he mentions
3: sorry what was that lee go ahead at one point he mentions um the man mentions i i apparently took my hat and jacket off for whatever reason well we know um that that hypothermia eventually get you to a point where you feel like you're warm so you take that those layers off Mm -hmm. this is a documented thing that occurs Um, Uh so was he starting to succumb to hypothermia well we know he was he had he he ended up with a little bit of frostbite they found him barely alive face down in the dirt and I want to tell you, this was the best fake out they could have done because at one point the mom says we found him stiff and face down in the dirt yeah. eight miles away. Do you know how like I was in in like my daughter was listening in and she's like, what happened to him? And I was explaining how this child died when they threw the curveball <laughs> and was like, oh, he's still alive. <laughs> He's still
2: alive. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was a good one. I liked it. Um, tax mm-hmm. right. Like, thank goodness there was one where someone lived. Right. Yes. Because the rest yes, of the anyway. show had been such a downer. <laughs> yes. Um. But but it's weird because like the two year old can't give any reason why he was out there. Like I don't know. I would like. So clearly he was walking, but why? we we just don't understand any of this um so i think a two-year-old also can't give you a reason why he took a cookie
4: when he wasn't supposed to either
2: yeah it's true it's true (laughs) i mean kids live in their own world they really do maybe he Um, was following a cat oh oh yeah you know it could have been it could have been completely in his mind whatever it was yeah um it's It's really weird. Um, I think that this case doesn't rule out the supernatural, but also you're like, well, clearly he's walking. You know, there's footprints. There's Mm -hmm. the barbed wire. Um, Like, is it possible? And I think, again, um, there's uh, some theories about, like, how we as humans are equipped to be distance runners. Um, And... Like, we would run down our prey, and that's part of our evolution. Um, so maybe, again, they're discounting how much these kids can do. I'm not sure. Um, hmm. But we go to the last Idaho Falls, Dior Coons section, and Tack they interview the parents. Mm-hmm. Right? What did you think about Dior Sr. and his fiancée? I mean, they even went out to the campsite yeah. uh, with her, and she showed us around what had happened. I mean, what did, what did you get from all of that? Do you think it was mom and dad involved or I don't know? Uh, I,
4: I actually, I don't, (laughs) I did at first because there's a lot of evidence that, well, not evidence, but they were saying how they weren't very good parents or they weren't whatever they, you know, a lot of people were saying bad stuff about them, but watching them in the interview, I didn't get any weird vibes from them. I didn't get any bad, but at least not from him anyway. He seemed pretty legit and was like just determined to find his son and figure out, at least have some closure on this, which I was very disappointed. Spoiler alert that there was no ending to this and it's this case that's still going on, which is sad. Um, so I didn't get any weird vibes from him and not really from her either, but I didn't get anything from him at all. He seemed like he was pretty in- innocent and once closure.
2: Yeah. Um, Lee, we already, we've already heard um, a little bit about, uh, you know, your, your biases towards the case. Just what was your impression of the very, of the final interview? So
3: I actually, like that final interview changed my mind a little bit on, on the situation um, I came into it pretty much convinced that the the parents killed him. Um, coming out of it, I don't necessarily think that that's what happened. Um, I I came out of it thinking that the parents knew more than they were giving away, but I don't. I did not come out of it thinking that the parents were involved in the disappearance. Intentionally. Um, and, and what I mean by that is I, cause I saw a lot of eye shifting, um, not from, not from Dior, but I saw a lot of eyes shifting from, um, Jess and granted that may mean nothing. But for me, it was her running through, um, like the differences. Um, there was certain moments when Dior was like, uh, we know we're innocent, um, and we know that we will be cleared. Um, it, or that's the gist. And, and I could see her eyes just kind of darting all over the place a little bit. And for me, I don't believe that... I, I honestly believe that they know that they're not at fault. Um, but I think they might have a decent idea of who is at fault. And I don't want to lead any implications, but I think that they they either know that the fa- the grandfather messed up or they know something more about what the grandfather did. Um, mm-hmm. And if he truly is um, on oxygen and losing his memory, starting to go a little senile, um, I have some experience with senile um, older men. And they, they can sometimes be violent for no true reason. Um hmm. And Possible. if that moment yeah. happened at the wrong time, uh, he could have done something unintentionally, especially if he didn't feel the same connection to that or to Dior as the rest of the family. Um, and mm. from what Tack was saying, I don't think he felt that same con- that same connection.
2: No. Yeah, I think uh, like uh, Dior Senior. I think when he goes to like talk to the to the friend during that interview when he kind of breaks into it there Mm -hmm. um he does kind of suggest that uh bob the grandpa and isaac know more than they're letting on um and i i i'm kind of leaning towards grandpa on this whole thing um clearly uh he was the last one who should have been uh with dior so um i i wonder if it's not necessarily deception but it's a combination of like guilt and not wanting to like blame your family right uh you know 80 something year old man um your own grandfather like uh it's rough it's a rough situation plus the guilt and the and the loss i mean it's just a lot to deal with so um, that's what i'm kind of
3: thinking like yeah sorry i don't mean to interrupt but
2: no, no. That kind of wraps up the Dior Coons story. Um, and now Polites says that he has like 1,600 of these cases where people go missing mysteriously uh, around national parks and forests and stuff like that. I I honestly think if you did list them all, you would have a very tough time finding uh, a real strong correlation uh, amongst these cases. Um there this like during the coast to coast interview part there are some this is where some of the supernatural suggestions come up like whatever force this is maybe has been with humanity for all as long as history or prehistory or whatever i don't know about that that's a little much (laughs) um one of the cases uh, one of the stories comes from this dog handler lady do you guys remember this this is right in the outro and it's a very small part of it you Remember Ooh. the dog handler story, Tack?
4: Yeah, I'm. Are you going to talk about how the dog was kind of going ape shit and that?
2: Yeah, so, yeah and oh, the kid oh, like oh. comes out of the fog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was creepy. Like that image of like this, this like naked kid comes out of the fog while the dogs <laughs> yeah. are barking and you yeah. have no. Oh man. And her be, dog was is... actually barking during that story. Yeah. Dude, that's some horror movie stuff, right? <laughs> um, but again, I think it goes to prove, like, it's hard to explain what these kids are doing. Uh, they live in their own world. They, can, If they're moving around, they can be very hard to find. Like, the number one advice when you get lost in the woods is what? Stay put, right? Right. <laughs> um hmm well, if they're moving around or if they've been attacked by an animal and it's moving around, very hard to find all of these people. So mm-hmm. it's a, it's just there's just too much land to cover. Um, and that's about it. And then uh, they end with the FBI uh, investigation of the Dior Coons Jr. case found no evidence that a crime had occurred. So yeah. we're, we're left wondering. A- and that's it. Um. So Lee, um all these other cases, um the supernatural suggestions, they're really they're really hinted at but it's not ever explained. Um this crazy story about the kid in the fog, um the FBI's conclusions
3: wrap it up for us, man. What what do you think, Lee? So I'm clouded a little bit because I feel like this documentary did not do justice to the, the storyline that um, David Polites is trying to create uh, where people disappear in strange ways and people, um, adults do things that are outside of what even somebody that's not an experienced um, outdoorsman would do uh and and some of those are just crazy uh there are stories of um grown men uh shedding their clothing um for no apparent reason um and these are these are adults that are um experienced hunters or something like that and they it's just strange um and appearing in crazy crazy places uh One man I know, uh, disappeared from, he, he was riding a four wheeler up a, um, um, you know, when they clear a path for power lines through like, um, Uh yeah, forest. Yeah. He was riding a four wheeler up there. They found his four wheeler at the top of the hill. Um, and he was nowhere to be found. Um, but like his clothing was there too. So he went up to the top of the hill. He's a hunter. He's going hunting. Not nude hiking, um,
0: which also is just
3: something strange, but maybe somebody does it. Um, They found his clothing up there, too, and seemingly like not just pristine, but like folded, like 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 put like just laid across. Anyway, it's just strange. Um, Those ones are the ones that entice me to like weird supernatural things. Or, like, weird human beings being weird human beings, which I guess is possible, (laughs) but just still kind of strange to me. Like, why would you go up into the middle of the woods, take off all your clothes, and wander around? Yeah. Why wouldn't you?
2: Tack. That's the best place to be (laughs) naked is out in the woods. Um, (laughs) No,
3: it's not. You get thorns in your feet. You rub your junk against tree trunks. It hurts.
2: Well you're doing you're doing it wrong why why would you rub your junk on tree trunks you weirdo why Uh, wouldn't you okay (laughs)
3: um tax best answers have come at this moment (laughs) (laughs) um
2: so so tack you're our guest um you you get the last word what what do you think (laughs) wrap it up uh let's see what do i think
4: yeah i think you guys are nailing i think uh grandpa knows a lot more than uh than what we're led to believe and um i don't know i i don't know let's just leave it there i think grandpa knows something and uh,
2: and and the supernatural stuff might be a little bit much huh
4: yeah it's a bit much and i'm all for supernatural and uh, paranormal and ghosts or whatever or aliens but i don't see uh its place here
2: in this story
3: i i don't think these cases give a a decent um overview of the supernatural thought yeah yeah
2: um this might be one of those cases where the book is better than the movie
3: (laughs) What? (laughs) so
2: yeah go check it out um but yeah guys weird stuff happens out in the woods um be careful go with people tell them where you're going you know take precautions um and watch your damn kids um (laughs) so (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. those are the lessons that we all can glean from this um and that's about it Guys, if you want to find out more about tax show, Tack, where mm. can people find A Very Brady Podcast?
4: Well, you can always check out a com, and you can also listen to the show there or anywhere podcasts are available. Wherever you listen to this show, you can just search uh, A Very Brady Podcast, and you'll hear my co-host and I, Jimmy Klein, uh, breaking down the Brady Bunch one episode at a time, and we do come up with some amazing Brady Bunch conspiracy theories. So,
2: ooh, yes, I've heard some about Alice and uh, and Mike. Ooh, saucy. Um, There's a history there.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. Um, do we want to talk about the blue dress? Like, does that do things for anybody? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Well, you know. You
2: know. Uh, I, now I was always a bigger fan of Mrs. Brady, but whatever. That's neither here nor there. So <laughs> that's the end of the show. Guys, check out A Very Brady Podcast. If you want to have fun <laughs> doing a, re-list, a rewatch podcast, go check it out. It's a lot more groovy and fun and exciting than missing kids. So <laughs> guys, we are doing documentary December Uh, We are going to watch more of these weird, strange documentaries. If you have any suggestions, throw them out on our Facebook page. Maybe we'll do them later. Um, You can go to our fan group. Uh, The fan group's a good time, Beyonders. Fans of the Beyond Terrestrial podcast. It's on Facebook. Find us there. And keep looking out for more tales from out there, Beyond Terrestrial.
1: Thank you for listening to Beyond Terrestrial three of y'all. If you're still a fan of this show, follow Beyond Terrestrial on social media and join the Beyonders Facebook group for even more strangeness. Links to everything, including previous episodes, are available at beyondterrestrial.com. That's the place to go for stickers, merch, show swag, and our Patreon. Patrons get exclusive access to ad-free shows, giveaways, and the unedited after-show show. Anything you give to the show goes straight to Folkmaster B's Bachelor Pad, which for now is also where these giant turkeys record this show. The show was edited by Simple Equations Media with music by Mike Root. Dan and Lee will be back next Tuesday with more from Beyond Terrestrial.